Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Good morning, I'm Jimmy Rosari. A major battle in last Tuesday's primary elections was Team South Bend, a group of Democratic incumbents versus a group of younger challengers. Only one incumbent, Lori Heyman, did not win her primary race. And she lost Oliver Davis by 673 votes. Oliver Davis was part of the challenger team that was backed by mayoral candidate Henry Davis Jr. And Oliver Davis was the only winner on that challenger platform of the Democratic platform challengers with millennial candidates Jordan Geiger, Drew Duncan and Bruce Mitchell losing their races for districts 2, 3 and 6. So today, I laid it all out there, stayed out there in the cold and the rain. My team, my friend and I went out there and put all these yard signs up in the middle of the night. We were cold, we were freezing and everything else, but it worked. It showed the people of South Bend that we're dedicated to being here and making this a better place for us all. Duncan and Mitchell were up against Council President Sharon McBride and Vice President Sheila Nizgotsky. I spoke with Jordan Geiger about losing the race in District 2. He says he plans on contesting the results as there is only a 15-vote difference. Geiger says he will continue to do activist work with Duncan and Mitchell. We need those millennials to come out and vote. I need them to come out and vote Democratic. <laughs> the most important thing. But really, when you look at the boomers, I'm a Generation X. It's the ones under us that are going to be carrying the weight of that moving forward. The celebration for Team South Bend contrasted that of the West Side Democratic Club, which is where I'm standing right now, and none of the challenger candidates were at the Democratic Club. WSBT's Paige Barnes reporting. It's being called an unprecedented vote. Two Republicans vying for the same Walkerton Town Council seat are tied. Kyle Norris says he was not expecting that at all, and I've been told by local officials that this hasn't happened in Walkerton ever. In a town like Walkerton, where everybody knows everybody. So we, we don't know yet. The Tide Council vote came as a surprise. Kyle Norris has been in Walkerton since 2009, working with Plastifax Manufacturing Company and raising his family. But in October, he decided he wanted to run for public office for the first time. I you know, really just wanted to get involved here at the town. Um, town Council was the first step. I want to get my finger on the pulse of what's going on with the town. It's already a great community. When Norris left the precinct Tuesday night, he was down seven votes against his opponent, Brian Vandal. But when he got home, he saw on the news he gained those seven votes back. So uh, knowing and being able to do a little simple math, I was like, we got a, we got a bit of an issue. So... Um, so, I mean, it was, it was just, you know, wild, I think is the, the best way to describe it. Um, surreal. You know, just, just kind of watching it all unfold. It's a waiting game for the town to see who will get the Republican nomination. While Norris hopes he gets the bid, he says he'll support Vandal if the votes go in his favor. I really mean that I think he's a good candidate and um, would do you know what I can to, to help him get in that seat. County GOP Chair Tyler Gillian says his jaw about hit the floor when he heard the race was a draw. Quote, a tie is a total surprise. I think both Kyle Norris and Brian Vandal are excellent people who have bright futures in the party. They both worked very hard.
Nothing can move forward until votes are certified on May 12th. But when a tie happens, a candidate vacancy occurs, meaning it'll have to be filled through a caucus of precinct committee members. And after the committee is notified, the caucus will have to happen within 30 days. WSBT's Erica Finke reporting. The NAACP organized a protest Thursday morning outside the home of Republican Councilwoman Amy Drake. The handful of protesters said this is over Drake's opposition to projects this group feels are important for the health and the wellness of the county. The local head of the NAACP defended what Drake called domestic terrorism by targeting a politician's home with the family inside. We have gone to the mayor's house, we've gone to Tim Scott's house, and Councilwoman Drake is no exception. If there are issues that the community needs to be aware of, it doesn't matter what time of day that those issues are addressed. Um, The NAACP are, are not here to make people comfortable. We're here to do what we have been charged to do and to end disparities and racial discrimination. Drake did not make an appearance, but did issue a statement before the protest, and it said in part, quote, There is no such thing as a peaceful protest in front of a person's home. Protests in front of homes are designed to intimidate and frighten. These people know I have children, and they know that my husband and I will feel threatened for our children's safety. The protest ended without incident. She stands behind her original statement that today's protest was done to be intimidating and said she won't be scared into changing her beliefs. WSBT's Jennifer Copeland reporting. An Elkhart school playground has been the target of vandals. The suspects can be seen in surveillance video driving a dark gray or black GMC 4x4 pickup truck. Principal Goyne says it's been almost a monthly issue starting in February. The suspect uses the public entrance to Pinewood Park to get to the playground, then cuts across to the soccer and baseball fields. Before this, the school board and Parent Teacher Association were saving up to renovate the playground. Now they're not sure if they can. And for their kids, the fields are off limits. Grown-up toys belong in places where kids don't play. What it does is if our kids wanted to go out and play a game of kickball, if they wanted to play a game of softball or baseball, then it leaves ruts into the ground. Elkhart police are looking into this incident, but no lead so far. Principal Goyne says that the park is and the playground is being watched more, but that they can't block off access because they share an access point to the tennis courts behind me. WSBT's Paige Barnes reporting. A decision is coming on the future of the South Bend Public Schools Empowerment Zone. A report on how the South Bend schools within the empowerment zone are doing as one is set to close down. Leaders of both boards say there's work ahead of them as they work together to figure out the next steps. As the initial five-year term of the empowerment zone runs through June of next year, leaders of it are addressing its success along with questions from the community as it plans its future. Those who fall under the zone, Navarre Middle School along with Coquillard, Warren, Harrison and Wilson Elementary Schools. Empowerment leaders say there's been a decrease in disciplinary issues cutting in-school suspensions by 62% and disciplinary referrals by 23%. So I think that's significant, right, because learning can't happen in an environment that uh, is disruptive and where students and teachers don't feel safe. Some on the school board, though, say while the group has done strong work, they feel having the South Bend Community School Corporation and the Empowerment Zone separated is divisive. We should be intentionally working with and supplying the same resources that the zone is talking about with the other schools in this district. We shouldn't have a separate 
group of kids over here, and a separate group of five schools over here, separated from the school district. The empowerment zone is scheduled to begin another five-year term next year unless a number of things happen, including a mutual agreement to discontinue. For now, they are looking toward what changes will come now that one zone school is set to close its doors, Warren Elementary. Leaders of both boards say there will be community input as they make adjustments over the next year. So I think the next steps would basically be is to be able to provide that plan to the public. Um, and to families so that families can have um, time to uh, plan um, for the 2024 school year and be able to make decisions of where their, their child is going to attend. The Empowerment Zone says it will begin engaging its staff in the transition in the fall as Warren closes in June 2024. There will be a string of public meetings on the future of the Empowerment Zone. The next one is May 9th. WSBT's Anne Lurie reporting. A mistake during the Indiana budget process has removed a pilot program intended to be the next step in Judah's law. The first part passed last year in memory of Judah Morgan of LaPorte. And the program was intended to take place in LaPorte, Stark, and Marshall counties for child services situations. And while there's no immediate fix, a local legislator says there are still ways to make it happen. Part two of Judah's law stalled for the time being. Part one that passed last year allows a child's caregiver who's a relative to intervene in child services permanency hearings. Senate Bill 26 would have allowed these caregivers to get free legal representation if they have limited income. State Senator Mike Bohacek authored both. And he says the second part is dead, but they were going to turn it into a pilot program in LaPorte, Marshall, and Stark counties to learn more about the overall cost. The program was added into the budget, but it removed by accident during the hearings. So this one little sentence that would have provided for this pilot is now out. So now not all is lost. It doesn't mean that we can't work with our locals. Senator Bahachek says they can still work through judges, prosecutors, and public defenders in those counties. So now we're going to try to get it as a matter of policy, which works too. It just is a little bit more difficult. It takes a little bit more groundwork. Initially a little bit disappointed. Um, but after he explained what happened, um, like I said, no, no fingers to point. Gina Hullett has been working closely with the state senator to get justice for her foster son, Judah Morgan. He was returned to his biological parents in April 2021 before being murdered over potty training a few months later. But she says her family will not be deterred by a mistake. With the political logistics of everything, there's a lot more that has to be done for a bill to go through. And so I just have to keep patient and and keep hope. State Senator Bahachek says he will, quote, file this bill continuously until it's funded. WSBT's Erica Finke reporting. An Elkhart County family are now sleeping in their own beds for the first time in nearly six months. Back in November, the Dade family lost everything in a house fire. But thanks to the kindness of a local teacher and the community, the family is one step closer to getting back on their feet. Jocelyn Bell recalls the fire that changed her life and her family's life as they knew it. Next thing I know, the fire department was there and the home that I knew of for 42 years was in flames. Through the winter, the family scattered and shuffled back and forth to different places. In March, they moved into a mobile home together. That home was empty. They've been sleeping on the floor and don't, didn't have any furniture in the living room, like couches or anything to sit on. Amber Kozar is a local teacher. One of the Dade children is in her class. After the fire, Kozar saw how much perseverance this family had and wanted to help. She nominated them for the Homes of Hope initiative with Big Sandy Superstore. 
Homes of Hope provides one needy family in each region where Big Sandy is located with new furniture. The Dade family received twin beds for their three kids, a queen bed, mattresses, sheets, a washer and dryer, sofa, and recliner. Everyday things they've gone without for months. Um, I thought it was nice. I'm going to be happy with the furniture. Because I had a hole in my air mattress that I couldn't patch for some reason. So I had to keep going. So every time when I wake up for school, I was sweeping on the ground. <laughs> now, no one will wake up on the floor. And the family has somewhere to gather together. And I saw the, the truck and um, just tears came to my eyes just knowing that this family is going to hopefully be put back together just a little bit more. Their world, flipped upside down in the last year, now changed for the positive. You know, the best thing in life is having something to look forward to, having something to feel good about and having something to be hopeful about. The Dade family says that while this experience as a whole has been hard, they're thankful to have their family, friends, and community behind them, helping to lift them up. WSBT's Lynette Grant reporting. Stevensville and marijuana shops will never be best buds after an ordinance that permitted them was struck down. No pot shops, but still potholes until Stevensville Village Council can come up with an estimated $5 million. For now, those options are grants or raising homeowners' taxes. Friends of Stevensville knew that working to block pot shops in the Ville would take away funding from street repairs. It was worth it to them to possibly prevent issues down the road. They argue there could have been a frenzy of permit requests or being known as a so-called pot stop. They buy pot, they um, take up the parking spots, they take the money out of the ATMs, and they don't spend another dollar in those towns. And I've heard so many people say when you walk downtown, it stinks, you can't find a parking space. Group members are willing to work with the village council members on a joint venture, saying that some of the solutions were overlooked. Council President David Wenger says there is a federal grant for $250,000, but it's 50% cost-sharing. The funds uh, on these other grants, these came out of excess funds through the state. Um, will they be there for a long time to come? It's, it's unknown. You know, so a lot of these things aren't necessarily guaranteed. We would rather have gone that path of allowing that versus, you know, being going straight to a tax increase, you know, to the residents. So it was a measure to try to obviously reduce any financial burden on residents. He says the shops were estimated to bring in $100,000 annually. The village council would have still needed to match that figure or more in general funds each year to cover what the marijuana tax revenue didn't. But without the pot shops, Wenger says their hands are tied, leaving taxes as the only long-term viable option. Tomasini says threatening to raise taxes is an excuse to not look into other grants. It's not that Stevensville is too good to have a marijuana shop. It's just that we didn't want pot shops in Stevensville. There's already plenty of them. Wenger isn't opposed to seeking grants, but says the odds of landing one are low and they're only a one-time payout. The Village Council is set to meet on Monday evening. Alternative road repair funding will be a hot topic, and we're told friends of Stevensville are coming prepared. WSBT's Paige Barnes reporting. Views and opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views of WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. Join us next week for Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 